0: Hello, and welcome back to yet another episode of our podcast, where we love to explore the fascinating world of technology and innovation. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen, ready to unravel some of the complexities of machine learning with all of you.
0: Today's episode is absolutely thrilling because we're diving into a concept that sounds like it's right out of a sci-fi novel parameter-efficient orthogonal fine-tuning via butterfly factorization. Jen, care to start us off by breaking down that mouthful?
1: Absolutely, Tom. Let's imagine you have a massive library of books, almost like a foundation of human knowledge. Now, every time you want to add a new book to this library, instead of starting from scratch, you just update it with new information.
0: And in the machine learning world, our library is what we call large foundation models, right? These are incredibly powerful, but also so huge that training them from scratch every time is like trying to rewrite all the books in the library.
1: Exactly. But what if we could make just a few efficient tweaks to adapt them for specific tasks, kind of like adding an appendix or a foreword to those existing books?
0: That's where this whole idea of orthogonal fine-tuning, or OFT for short, comes into play. It's like ensuring the new editions preserve the essence of the old books, maintaining their structure and integrity.
1: Now, while that sounds great in theory, the problem is that orthogonal matrices, which are the tool we use for this job, can be really big and complex. We need a ton of parameters, which are like individual bits of information, to define them.
0: And that's why today's luminaries have turned to butterfly factorization. Remember when we learned about the cooley tukey fast Fourier transform algorithm in our episode on data signals?
1: How could I forget? It's such an efficient way to process signals through what's known as a butterfly graph.
0: Well, it turns out that this structure can also help us in crafting these grand yet efficient orthogonal matrices.
1: Right. With butterfly factorization, you build this dense matrix by combining multiple sparse, or kind of stripped-down, matrices. This not only reduces the number of parameters we need, but still allows us to keep the matrix full of rich, complex information.
0: This brings us to the present study, where these researchers have come up with a fine-tuning method they've named BOFT, short for Butterfly Orthogonal Factorization Tuning.
1: By subsuming OFT as a special case, BOFT provides a generalized framework for this type of fine-tuning, which is crucial as we adopt these foundation models for various tasks in vision and language.
0: They even put this method to the test with an extensive empirical study, adapting large models like vision transformers and language models to a variety of tasks with promising results.
1: It seems Boff combines the best of both worlds, the strength and generalizability of large foundation models with the tailored proficiency of specific tasks without the computational burden of starting from scratch.
0: And there you have it, folks. Another chapter in the book of machine learning advancements. Thank you for tuning in, and we can't wait to explore more such technical marvels with you next time.
1: Don't forget to subscribe for more insightful episodes. And if you're intrigued by orthogonal fine-tuning via butterfly factorization, dive into the research paper for an even deeper understanding.
0: Until next time, keep learning and keep innovating. Are you tired of your to-do lists looking as dull as a dragon's diet plan?
1: Do your party invitations scream more dreadful dungeon than dazzling ball?
0: Well, have no fear. The magical scribes at Elf Inc. Extravaganza are here to turn your scribbles into sonnets.
1: Our elves use inks brewed from the rarest flowers and a dash of pixie dust to make your words shimmer like a unicorn's mane.
0: Handwritten wedding vows that will make the banshees wail with joy.
1: And grocery lists so grand they could be etched in the annals of elven history.
0: Say goodbye to the mundane and hello to Manuscript Magnificence with Elfink Extravaganza.
1: Because if it's not written with Elfink, together it's just not epic.
0: Visit Elfink Extravaganza today and tell them Tom and Jen sent you for an extra sparkle on your first order.
1: Now let's get back to our enchanting podcast episode, Already in Progress. (music)
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen, the other half of this dynamic duo. Today, we've cooked up something that's both head-scratching and critical in the world of tech, data contamination in large language models, or LLMs.
0: Right you are, Jen. So to kick things off, let's clarify what we mean by data contamination. Imagine you're at a bakery mixing dough for bread, but accidentally drop a spoonful of cake batter into it. That cake batter is contamination, stuff that wasn't supposed to be there.
1: Spot on, Tom. And in the case of LLMs, data contamination occurs when a dataset that a model was trained on includes data that it will later be tested on. This skews the model's performance, making it seem better than it actually is because it's just regurgitating what it has already seen.
0: Girl, you hit the nail on the head. Think about it like studying for a quiz. If you get hold of the quiz questions in advance, chances are you'll ace it, but it doesn't mean you actually understand the material, right?
1: Precisely. And enter the study by Gulchin and Sertianu from the University of Arizona. They've devised what they call the data contamination quiz. It's like an examination to flag biased performances by asking a series of clever multiple choice questions.
0: Jen, let's dive into how this quiz actually works. Imagine you have a sentence or a data set instance. Now you create three other versions of this instance by changing some words around, replacing words with synonyms but keeping the meaning the same.
1: And here's the kicker. You present these four versions, three are altered, one's the original, to the LLM and ask it to pick the original. If the LLM consistently picks the original, it suggests it's seen that instance before during its training, hence data contamination.
0: Oh, it's brilliant because it's simple. There's no need for access to what the LLM was trained on. This quiz can still detect if there's biased learning going on.
1: But Tom, how do they make sure the LLM isn't just lucky or perhaps biased towards certain choices?
0: Ah, they thought of that, Jen. They use statistical measures to ensure that a higher than random selection of the original instance isn't just a fluke. It's a little mathy, but think of it as adjusting for what could just be randomness. The researchers ran this quiz across several datasets and state-of-the-art models, including GPT-4 and GPT-3.5.
1: And would you look at that, they found instances of contamination even when there were only subtle hints of it. Basically, these advanced LLMs with all their knowledge couldn't resist peeking at the quiz answers ahead of time.
0: They just couldn't help themselves, right? And it seems to be a wider issue with models that use web data. The bigger they are, like GPT-4, the more likely they've accidentally memorized some of this test data because the web is where they get their smarts from.
1: So gang, if you're using or evaluating LLMs, this is a tool for your toolbox. Bring out the data contamination quiz and see if your model deserves that gold star or if it's been sneaking peeks at the answer key.
0: And that, dear listeners, is your dose of tech expertise mixed with a splash of fun for the day. Thank you for tuning in and catch us on the next episode where we crack open another big tech mystery.
1: Bye for now. And remember, in the age of information, knowledge is your superpower.
0: Have you ever stared at the full moon, Jen, and thought, I wish my tea could be just as enchanting?
1: All the time, Tom. But how do I turn my mundane mug into a cosmic cuppa?
0: With Lunar Brew Teapots, Inc., Jen. Their teapots aren't just kettles, they're veritable pieces of the celestials.
1: Just imagine a teapot that probably has more craters than my last attempt at homemade muffins.
0: Indeed, each Lunar Brew teapot looks like it's been dunked in moonbeams, perfect for when you want your tea to be a little more extraterrestrial.
1: And these aren't just for midnight munchies under the stars, they're also for that midday office break where you want to say, look at me, I'm drinking from the moon.
0: So celestial, just picture it. Every sip feels like you could float away in zero gravity, but please stay grounded for the tea's
1: sake. Every lunar brew comes with a side order of awe and a pinch of moon dust for that authentic space tea experience.
0: Steep your tea in celestial elegance with Lunar Brew Teapots ink, because why be boring when you can be astronomical?
1: Visit lunarbrewteapots.com today and get ready to sip among the stars. That's one small step for tea, one giant leap for tea kind. Tom and Jen, Lunar Brew Teapots, Inc. Make magic, sip by sip.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of our deep dive into the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. Today, we've got a mind bending topic on deck harnessing synthetic datasets, the role of shape bias in deep neural network generalization. Get ready to have your neurons firing on all cylinders.
0: Absolutely, Jen. To kick things off, let's lay the groundwork by explaining what synthetic datasets are. Imagine you're an artist, and instead of using natural landscapes to inspire your paintings, you decide to create entirely new imagined landscapes. Synthetic datasets are like these imagined landscapes for AI.
1: Right, Tom. These data sets are artificially created rather than collected from the real world. They're becoming super important as we need huge amounts of amounts of data to train deep neural networks. And collecting real data can be expensive and time-consuming.
0: Now let's talk shape bias. Humans tend to recognize objects primarily by their shape, not so much by texture or color, like identifying a cat by its outline even if its fur pattern is off. Turns out, humans are around 96% reliant on shape. But early neural networks, particularly the convolutional neural networks, or CNNs, leaned heavily on textures, around 75%, in fact.
1: That's a big difference from us humans. However, a newer architecture called vision transformers, or VITs, has been introduced. These learners slice and dice the input into patches and use self-attention mechanisms to process these, which lets them consider the entire image's context, not just local features.
0: And guess what, Jen? With enough training data, like a whooping 4 billion images, VITS develop a very human-like shape bias of about 87%, quite the leap from the texture-loving CNNs.
1: That brings us to the meat of today's discussion. The idea that this shape bias in neural networks can actually give us clues about how well these networks will generalize, that is, perform on real-world data after being trained on our synthetic data sets.
0: And what's generalization? Consider a driving instructor. A great instructor teaches you to drive not just on one street, but on any street. For neural networks, generalization means performing well on new, unseen data after training on a limited data set.
1: Let's zoom in on a paper by Elior Benarus and colleagues from E.T. Zurich that digs into this very issue. They investigated how different neural network architectures, like CNNs and VEATs, develop shape bias when trained on synthetic data. Surprisingly, they found that the type of architecture and the type of learning, supervised or self-supervised, affect how much shape bias the network develops.
0: They also found that merely having a strong shape bias doesn't necessarily mean the network will be good at generalizing. There's this intertwined relationship between the shape bias the diversity within the dataset, and how naturally realistic the synthetic images are.
1: Which makes sense, right? If you're learning to drive on a video game, the more the game reflects real driving conditions, the diversity of roads and scenarios, the better you'll do on real streets.
0: Speaking of diversity, the paper also proposes a fresh perspective, using shape bias as a tool to measure the diversity of samples within a dataset. Think of it as a new kind of measuring tape, which tells you not just how much data you have, but the variety within it.
1: To sum it up, this paper suggests that while neural networks can be tweaked to have a more human-like shape bias, this alone isn't a silver bullet for creating AI that generalizes well. The synthetic data used to train the networks must also be diverse and possess naturalistic characteristics.
0: And there you have it, listeners, the thrilling intersection of synthetic datasets and neural network biases. It's about more than just shape, It's a complex dance of architecture, supervision, and dataset quality.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode where we peeled back the layers of AI bias. Remember to subscribe for more deep dives into the evolving world of artificial intelligence. I'm Jen.
0: And I'm Tom. Keep pondering the shapes and textures of the AI landscape. Until next time. Are you a specter with a story? A wraith with a memoir? Fear not, dear ghosts and ghouls, because today's podcast is brought to you by Ghost Quill Spectral Scribes, Inc.
1: That's right, Tom. Why should the living have all the fun? At Ghost Quill, your undead dreams of authorship can finally materialize. And here's a quick word from our spooky sponsors. Spooky, whimsical, new voiceover. In the dead of night, when the world is quiet and the living are asleep, your story lurks, just waiting to be told. But who will write it, Tom? Ghost Quill, Spectral Scribes, Inc. Gen. With a team of the most talented specters, phantoms, and poltergeists, your memories will be eternally preserved in the literary limbo. And don't worry about writer's block. It's more like writer's fog around here. Eerie voiceover. Need to commune with your dearly departed drafts? Our mediums are on standby, ready to translate those disembodied thoughts into words.
0: Polished with phantom precision, your afterlife autobiography will be the talk of the tombstone. Paranormal prose at its finest.
1: So float on over to Ghost Quill Spectral Scribes, Inc. Your spiritual success is just a sance away. Eerie voiceover, Ghost Quill Spectral Scribes, Inc., where every ghost has a ghostwriter. Call us on the other side. We're dead serious about your story. End of commercial with a ghostly howl. Now, back to our show, where we promise not to ghost you listeners.
0: Unless it's with more hauntingly good content, right, Jen?
1: Exactly, Tom. Let's dive back in.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our Cutting Edge podcast, where we break down complex tech topics and make them accessible. Today, we're exploring the fascinating world of the Internet of Things, or IoT. I'm your host, Tom.
1: And I'm Jen. We're diving into a paper that's truly shaping the future of IoT. It's titled multi-IoT towards large-scale multi-sensory learning for the Internet of Things.
0: IoT is all about connecting devices to the Internet, allowing them to send and receive data. This could be anything from your smartwatch to citywide traffic sensors.
1: But as we add more devices, the type of data they collect becomes incredibly diverse. We call this multi-sensory data because it can include motion, thermal readings, geolocation, you name it.
0: Exactly, Jen. And this is where machine learning, or ML for short, comes into play. ML can process this avalanche of IoT data automatically, proposing predictions that are valuable for, say, health or even urban planning.
1: Let's talk about multi-IoT, the benchmark mentioned in the paper. It's huge, with over 1.15 million samples from 12 different data types, like audio, video, or GPS.
0: The wide range of tasks that multi-IoT focuses on is what makes it special. We're talking about predicting where a person is looking, known as gaze estimation or recognizing human gestures, a field that's advancing incredibly fast.
1: And it's not just about the volume of data. What's challenging is how different each data type is and how to make sense of it all when they're combined. The paper calls this extreme heterogeneity, which sounds serious.
0: It is. Imagine trying to piece together a puzzle when each piece is from a different set each with its own shape and image. That's the puzzle machine learning models are trying to solve with IoT data.
1: And as if that weren't hard enough, they have to do it through long temporal ranges. It means making sense of data that's collected over long periods. Maybe it's tracking your heart rate during a marathon or a city's traffic flow throughout the day.
0: Turns out they've made two significant contributions. The first is the multi IoT benchmark itself which offers this trove of data for developing and testing ML technologies.
1: And secondly, they've given us benchmark models that span everything from simple tasks focusing on one type of data to complex multi-sensory tasks.
0: Notably, these models aren't just one-trick ponies. They're good at zero-shot and few-shot learning. That means they can adapt to tasks or data they weren't explicitly trained on, sometimes with just a few examples.
1: For the tech savvy out there, This could lead to an IoT device that can be trained to recognize new activities or events without needing massive data sets to start with.
0: In conclusion, the multi-IoT benchmark is a big leap towards creating systems that understand and navigate our complex, sensor-filled world more efficiently.
1: And the implications are vast, from more intuitive smart homes to smarter cities that can respond to the needs of their inhabitants in real time.
0: That's it for today's episode. If you're intrigued by the potential of IOT and multi-sensory learning, multi-IOT is definitely a space to watch.
1: Join us next time as we tackle another breakthrough topic. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.
0: Have you ever wanted to soar down the street like an urban mage?
1: Do you dream of rollerblades that do more than just roll?
0: Then hold on to your hats, or helmets, because Runescape Mystec Inc. is about to enchant your socks off.
1: Introducing the most magical rollerblades you've ever seen, now with 100% more wizardry.
0: Strap into the speed sigil skates, and zoom past traffic with the swiftness of a rushing river.
1: Too mundane? How about skating up a waterfall instead? Because yes, with RuneSkate's vertical velocity vectors, gravity is just a suggestion.
0: Tired legs? That's for mere muggles. With our breeze blades, summon a gust of wind for that extra push when you've lost your oomph.
1: And for the night owls, our lunar glide blades softly light your path so you can glide into enchantment under the moonlight.
0: Don't just roll, rune roll with rune skate mystec ink, because every journey should be spellbinding.
1: Lace up, level up, and glide into enchantment with every roll.
0: Visit RuneSkate.com and enter the code PODCASTWIZ to get 10% off your first pair of enchanting blades.
1: That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-W for a magical deal.
0: RuneSkate Mystic Inc., where every street is a mystical runway. Hey everyone, welcome to another fascinating episode of our podcast. I'm
1: Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we're diving into the mesmerizing world where human cognition and artificial intelligence intersect.
0: Absolutely, Jen. Today's topic is a bit of a brain twister. We're talking about conceptual structure coheres in human cognition, but not in large language models.
1: Wow, that's a mouthful, Tom, and quite the compelling subject. So, in plain English, what are we discussing here?
0: Well, Jen, it's all about how humans and AI differ in understanding and organizing concepts. In humans, our understanding of things, like the relationship between a cat and a dog, tends to be consistent regardless of our background or the situation.
1: Right, and this consistency or coherence in our constructures is pretty robust. It transcends cultures, languages, and even the methods we use to, to measure it.
0: Conversely, Jen, when we look at large language models, those are the AI systems that process and generate text they don't seem to have this cohesive conceptual structure.
1: So for the AI brains out there, it's more like a conceptual jigsaw puzzle where the pieces don't always fit the same way each time you play? Exactly.
0: Even if the AI is using the same knowledge base, the way it links concepts can vary dramatically depending on the task it's performing.
1: Fascinating, Tom. So why does this matter?
0: Well, if we're ever going to have AI that truly understands us and the world around us, we need it to have a stable and uniform grasp of concepts, much like our own cognition.
1: That's a tall order, but absolutely crucial for AI systems to integrate seamlessly into our daily lives and even assist in fields like education or medicine.
0: Absolutely. For this episode, we really dove into the depths of a paper from a team of researchers exploring this very topic, how human cognitive structures are consistent and robust, unlike those in current large language models.
1: Our brains have had millennia to evolve and refine the way we understand concepts, while large language models are relatively new kids on the block. It shows in the comparison, doesn't it?
0: It sure does, Jen. The research emphasizes the need for AI developers to understand these limitations in order to improve AI's capacity for handling tasks involving language and concepts.
1: And that's a wrap on this brainy episode. Thanks for joining us on this cerebral journey, exploring the coherence of concepts in humans and AI.
0: Don't forget to subscribe for more deep dives into the world of cognitive science and AI. I'm Tom.
1: And I'm Jen, saying goodbye and stay curious.
0: Have you ever been out for a walk and thought, hmm, this could use more magic?
1: Definitely, Tom. And that's exactly why we're excited to talk about our sponsor, Whizcane's Inc.
0: Picture this, you're strutting down the street, but whoops, you trip. Not with stumble begone. Whizcane's has your back, or should I say, your balance.
1: And those pesky puddles, forget about them. With Puddle Poof, you're gliding over water like a magical hovercraft.
0: But wait, it's getting dark and spooky. No worries, with a quick flick of your Whizcane, nightlight sparks up and boom, it's like daylight at midnight.
1: And let's not forget, if you're feeling lonesome, Butterfly Conjure summons fluttery friends to flip your frown upside down.
0: Honestly, Jen, it's like these canes were made for the urban Gandalf on the go.
1: And the best part? You don't need to be a certified wizard to wield one.
0: So whisk your way to an enchanting day with Canes Inc.
1: Remember, folks, whisk your way with Canes, Because everyone could use a little support and a touch of magic.